close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined, as always, by Star Sport Editor, Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Two great guests on the show today as the inter-county season starts to slowly come into view after a longer than usual winter break. Up first we'll hear from Balanascarty's Martina O'Brien who's been named Cork Senior Ladies Football Captain for the season ahead. And then we're going to chat to Bantry's Rory Dean who is speaking as part of the launch of a new sponsorship deal between Cork GAA and Sports Direct late last week. But first Kieran. You checked out the BBC Panorama Boxing and the Mob documentary last night which covered the alleged links between boxing management company MTK Global and the Kinahan drug cartel. So what were your own thoughts after tuning in? What did you make of it? Um, I saw all the, obviously there was huge media interest in it last week when it was shown live on, on BBC. So I recorded it over the weekend. It was on again at, at some late hour and I watched it on Monday night. Um there's probably nothing new in it, Jack, that people didn't already know from kind of looking at the story from a distance over the last couple of years. But um, I think what this documentary has done, it's kind of shone a light, a light on it and showed it to a whole new audience um, that, like you said, that alleged link between the Kinnahans and, and Box and then MPK and so on. But as much as I'm interested in it, I just want to see how much you're interested in it, Jack, because... Anyone who listens to this podcast, they know you're a boxing fan. They know you've been, that you're actually a boxer as well. You've been involved in the boxing club in Skip. So as a boxer and a boxing fan, Jack, to see, I suppose, to see this was the light that the sport has been painted in at the moment because of these links between Kinahans and, and boxing. How do you, how does it sit with you? What are your thoughts? Well, it, it is a funny one because obviously it couldn't possibly sit right with you if you have any um, clear conscience or you try to have a clear conscience you don't want to the sport that you follow week to week to be associated with like <clears throat> let's be honest terrible terrible criminality the criminality that's linked with <clears throat> mtk is obviously like uh the type of criminality that ravages and ruins working class parts of the country and the whole thing about boxing in ireland is that it lifts up working class communities or that's what it says it does or that's what people believe that it does so there is that kind of conflict there between on one hand you have a sport that's supposedly trying to lift up people who come from tougher backgrounds and can give people a chance at a better life and then you have the people pumping or supposedly pumping some of the money in uh they're earning their money through the destruction and essentially joe yeah destroying these parts of the country but I'm conflicted as well in a way that, like, I obviously, I follow boxing week to week. Uh, it's not just around the big fight. So I'm watching all the small cards up and down the UK and Ireland. And, like, for the bones of, like, six, seven, eight years, there was a connection to MTK, or it used to be known as MGM. And no one really cared because no one cares too much for, like, um, 
the week to week of boxing it's kind of a niche sport when it comes to the major events then like your Anthony Joshua's or your Tyson Fury's that's when you get the casual fans in and that is in fact what brought this story really into the <clears throat> into the mainstream because it was when Tyson Fury posted a video on Instagram last year where he was actually thanking um, Daniel Kinahan the man in question for organising the fight with Anthony Joshua that's when the mainstream media actually got a hold of this story and then I kind of had to reassess my thought process because I was like for the last five years I just got along and watched all the MTK fights I didn't mind I, Joe, I have to be honest it seemed that they were actually doing good for the sport because any boxer interviewed who spoke about signing with them it was always that they were being looked after better than they were before they were being paid a regular wage whereas before boxers are you know living fight to fight but the big thing about what MTK brought in was this like um, more structured approach so the fighters were getting better accommodation better sparring partners better regular fees so I was like oh this they seem to be good for the sport and I kind of overlooked the criminality just a blind spot like you know because you don't really take these things into account when you're following the sport on a week to week but then the Tyson Fury video happened and it shone a light on it again and I was like have I just had a blind spot for the last five years where I've just overlooked this and now I have to start appearing to be angry about their association with the sport whereas I knew about it for five years or knew there was some kind of a link and uh didn't didn't get up in arms or didn't get outraged and go to social media so it is it is a tricky one like and I understand why it's an important thing for journalists like the likes of Kieran Cunningham and Nicola Talent to campaign because you don't really want um, major criminality associated with what's essentially our number one Olympic sport. But uh, yeah, so I've had that blind spot for the five or so years beforehand and I don't know kind of where my mind stands in it now. It's a, it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. And one thing I'll tell you just before you come in there, the people I feel the most sorry for are the actual young boxers and in particular the Irish boxers because a lot of the boxers who've signed with MTK they're coming straight from the amateurs and in the past young boxers coming straight from the amateurs would have to really become road warriors so like most Irish professionals of the last say 20 years before the advent of MTK all had to head over to the United States and traipse up and down the east coast Boston Atlantic City, New York, fighting for pennies, no real contracts, no structure. If you read Andy Lee's book, Fighter, you'll learn all about it. And then MTK suddenly came on the scene and they were letting boxers to stay in the UK and Ireland. So you had the Belfast contingent. So you have the likes of Michael Conlon, Paddy Barnes and even Carl Frampton who eventually joined. They were able to stay and train in Belfast. And it's the same in the UK. They can stay and train in the UK, stay at home. So like on the outside from a boxer's point of view it's like why wouldn't I sign it's such a better financial boon for me but then they're asked the question as you'll see across the media now why aren't the boxers standing up and speaking out but they're in a tough position I don't know what you expect a young boxer to do in that situation do you stand up and be a hero and say no I can't take what's perceived to be dirty money or do you just go with the flow I don't know what I would do in that situation like if I was a young father with two or three kids and this is my only source of income it's there's so many nuances and it's a hard one to get my head around, I have to be honest. It is, Jack. Have you been watching the documentary, Jack? Kind of this, this pot of money that, that MTK it, have. Exactly. Where's where this money coming from? It, it's, it's the, allegedly, it's, it's, the, it's coming from the, the drug industry, narcotics and all that. So, um, and when you hear too, and you see the documentary where it came up in Carol Frampton's, um, 
his recent court case of Barry McGuigan that Frampton was in pain, MTK, anything or um, something along, along no that fee, effect. Yeah. So, no fee. No fee, which sounds, which is incredible, you know, kind of. Um, so when you hear all that stuff going on, you kind of you probably have to ask, ask the question. But I just want to take, just to pick your brains for a second before we move on. Do you think this will actually change anything? Do you think kind of the fact that we were talking about Fury Tyson probably at some stage this year, this huge mega fight and, and Kinahan has been involved in, in the Fury camp and so on. Um, you see some some of the media are saying that the that the big boxing TV company should pull out that they shouldn't be supporting this. What's going on? But in in reality, would this change anything? Because I fully expect the the Tyson Fury Josh, Joshua fight to go ahead this year, and it will be shown on TV. <laughs> well, like I like I, I I'm a big fan of Kieran Cunningham, who has been like one of the leading sports journalists covering this story for years. But he made a point that I couldn't disagree with more. And this is the typical selfish boxing fan within me. And he said, anyone who loves boxing should boycott Fury Joshua. And I was like, you can be wishing that there was no criminality or no nefarious activity involved in any sport. But the reality is like there's corruption involved in every facet of life, whether it's politics, business, sport, everywhere, everything's corrupt at some level. And I know the fact that it's so obvious in this case, it's harder to stomach. But the fact of the matter is, if they make Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua an all British world heavyweight title fight, I will be paying my 25 euro. I know that's that might be perceived as like um, a pig headed thing to say, but but that that's just kind of my my own I don't know how you'd uh, describe it. that's my how I think about it and that's how I try to level with myself that allows me to to actually tune in and not feel too terrible about it. But I know that sounds terrible. Like what what do you think as a kind of a a neutral observer? Because I'm kind of in in a, in a sense that I've been watching boxing every weekend for twenty years. So like I follow all the small shows. I watch all the big amateur tournaments around the world. So it would be a massive part of my life to give up. But from you, like as a casual sports, a uh, casual boxing fan, but a major sports fan, when you hear all this coverage, and if you were to see the Joshua Fury fight announced for next Saturday night, or in two months' time on Sky Box Office, we'll say, or BT Box Office, and it's clear that there are some links to what the alleged Irish drug cartel, would you be tempted to watch, or would you? Take a stand and switch off. I'll, I'll be quite honest. Um, I, I'd watch the fight because I am. I'm a sports fan, you know. Kind of, I'm interested to see what happens when Joshua and and Fury meet in the ring. Obviously, can't agree with what goes on out, outside the ring. It's impossible to a, a, ignore all that. It's it, it's very hard. I suppose we shouldn't separate the two, but it's very easy to separate the two. Yeah. It's very easy to put Kinahan's involvement with boxing over here to the right and then to the left, watch Fury and and um, and Joshua kind of battle it out. It's the topic of of the moment. Um, obviously, off the back of the the BBC Panorama documentary, I find it really hard to to hold the boxers to account for being connected to this because at the end of the day, they're like sole traders trying to make as much money as they can before they almost inevitably suffer a life-changing injury because that's generally how boxing ends for a lot of these guys so i just can't hold it against it but yeah the ultimate thing is boxing would be better off if there were no links to organized crime that's just a simple matter of fact like we all know that any sport everything every facet of life would be better if there was no criminality involved but but we leave that one there now kieran because um we're 
slightly teetering into dangerous territory and we don't have our legal advisor on the line with us so we're going to leave that world behind us for now and focus on something much more important and that's the future of the Cork ladies football team and I think Kieran you're writing about them for your column this week which we can maybe touch on later in the show but first the news broke last week that Martina O'Brien is set to lead the team this year as captain and you had the chance to speak to her after the news was announced yeah first off brilliant choice of captain uh, Martina is a one of those natural leaders kind of she's a leader on and off the pitch she's the the Cork number one goalkeeper since 2014 so she's vastly experienced she's four at Ireland she's I think six National League Division 1 titles she's won it all with Cork she's seen it all with Cork she's seen the good days and the bad days and like I said hugely experienced um, but she can back that up on the field as well. Between the posts, she's one of the best shot stoppers in the game. She's a she's a leader back there. She organises the Cork defence. Um, she's a, a player too that everyone respects. You know, can if you talk to anyone who's played with the Calicity Ladies footballers or the West Cork football football team over the last couple of years, everyone respects Martina O'Brien and they listen when, when she speaks and. She has that commanding presence too that makes her, like I said, there a natural born leader and a great choice as Cork captain for 2021. And I just think it's a nice parting gift from the from the West Cork ladies to Martina because she was between the post when West Cork won the first senior football championship last year when the division beat Moore Abbey. But it also turns out it'll be her last game for West Cork for some foreseeable time because she's also in goal for the Calicilty footballers who won the intermediate title last year and as a reward are now senior. So for her, the West Cork management team to put her forward as the Cork um, football captain for 2021, lovely gesture, but 100% the right call to make. And as you can hear from her now, she's in great form and she's really looking forward to the season ahead. We're joined now on the podcast by the new Cork Senior Ladies Football Captain Martina O'Brien. Martina, first off, congratulations, and second off, how does it how does it feel to hear that Martina O'Brien, Cork Ladies Senior Football Captain? <laughs> I might say it'll take a bit of getting used to. Um, I know. Look, it's obviously a great, uh, it's a fantastic news, like, and for for myself, obviously, and um, it's a great honour. You know, there's not. A lot of people who can say that they, they've kept in their county life. So um, I suppose when you're given the chance to do it, you'll, you'll jump at it. Um, I, I, I probably thought for one millisecond about it, all right, and, and accepted it straight away after that. But uh, no, I'm just, you know, look, I suppose I'm coming, you know, I'm towards the end of my career now and there's a lot of players have gone by and probably never got the chance to, in their county so I do feel like I'm in a very privileged privileged position to do so um, and like coming from a group of West Cork girls that are on the panel now there's a load of like a load of those girls could have captained Cork as well um, and would do a, a sterling job you'd like Bonnie Terry there you know she was captain of West Cork last year and was brilliant and you'd have Libby and Melissa and, and a load of other girls too that could have really could have done it as well so I am I'm very grateful I suppose for being chosen out of a out of a brilliant group of girls who could have done it um and very privileged really like how did you find out so that you were being named and put forward for for this role <laughs> so I suppose I there wasn't I suppose there was no news about anything 
only the last week really it's, it's kind of we didn't I didn't even think of it to be honest we weren't because we're just back with Cork now as in we're doing individual programs or whatever <clears throat> so you know we just we're driving on with that now again so didn't think anything about it but Brian McCarthy actually rang me and we had a chat and he was like look we need a bit of deliberation so they met I'm sure they met like two or three times so like in fairness they, they had a hard job there's a lot of girls there that could have done it so they had to they, they met over Zoom and um, they were just deciding between the management um, to see who did they'd put forward and he was like look we, we landed on your name at the end anyway and he was like we are going to put your name forward and like it's nearly a formality after that I think like really they just tell management and the board and um, so he told me that there last week sometime and yeah it, that, that's, that was as easy as it was I suppose we just had a chat in and um, he was uh, I was telling him right uh, he could have he could have probably picked a few more but to be fair we had a great relationship and, and uh, we had a bit of a giggle about it and, and that was it I think the kind of general consensus of the widespread consensus that they have picked the, the right person for the job, Martina, because given the experience that you have both at counting club level over the years and we go back to 2013 when you made your debut for Cork, like you're, you're there seven, eight, nine years at, at, at this stage. Do you feel now is the right time in your career to be the Cork senior football captain, given that experience that you have, given that you've won it all and given too that there's, there's a, this younger generation of Cork players coming on the scene now so you can help help impart your knowledge on them and help them along their journey as well. I, I suppose I don't, I don't, I like obviously being captain is, is a great, as I said, privilege and, and all that. And, and like you do have a role in the team, but I, I suppose I don't, I won't see my role as any different to what it was really. Um, the most that I'll probably extra left to do is walk up and do the task. Like, you know, I think we just, I think there's a lot of girls, especially within our panel, um, have stepped up and are continually stepping up as leaders on the team. So, um, yeah, look, it's 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 a title you get, but I I I firmly believe that um, like if you're going to be the captain of the team, you're not going to change yourself too much or, or change anything within the within it. Um, there's going to be nothing extra probably that I'll be you know saying to people or whatever. I'll just be doing the same, and um, <clears throat> I think uh, for me. If I was like I've been captain maybe of my club a few times, and like I might talk a little bit more. I'm and I'm sure they're used to me talking in a stage or sick of me, but uh, it it won't be any different. You know, I, I suppose that's what I'm I'm saying. It's not it's not anything that's going to be a huge step up in 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 um effort wise or or what I'm going to have to change myself. But um, I suppose it is it's good at this time of my career. Like again, I I um started out in 2013 with Cork, so. Uh, that still feels like only a couple of years ago for me, but it's it's nearly like ten now. So, um, yeah, it's 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 great to be able to do it, to be honest. And and uh, I suppose what what makes me feel even better about it is that I have the older girls in Cork, like you know, you have Orla Finn and Kira and 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 Ashing Hutch and and Orla Farmer and all those girls who are natural leaders in a team anyway. And like you always have them to fall back on if you need a bit of advice and. You know that they're driving the thing on anyway, um, and it's not all—it's not going to be left to just the captain to do that. So um, I know um, the, the team really is in just safe hands with with, with the crowd that we have at the moment. I have to I was chat a little bit too about last year's All Ireland final. It was only back in December, and that was heartbreak for for Cork against Dublin. Um, looking forward to the twenty twenty one. How close do you think this Cork team are to closing that gap on Dublin? Um. 
I suppose, like, I actually haven't watched the match back yet, which I was too, um, and I'm still allergic to it. But I I suppose over the last couple of years, um, we fall into Dublin, and that has been our, our kind of vice, really, like, last three years anyway. Um, two finals and a semi-final. Do you know, I suppose people are kind of now kind of saying, looking at us going, mm, you'd want to be doing a bit better than just kind of making the same old mistakes and, and just coming up short against Dublin. But I think I think we've made great strides. Um, I think we are very close in a sense that, you know, we have improved in a lot of things that we wanted to prove in even last year. The start of last year, we've come strides from there. Um, but I think people do have to remember that this team was totally different back in 2017, say. So we won our last hour in 2016. Since then, there has been there's been a big transition for, for of players through and a rebuilding phase, really, I suppose. Um, and also, we're coming up against a team. So Dublin have beat us in the last couple of years. But we're coming up against a team who are together maybe 10 years. Those core girls have been playing together for that much time. We're now getting that experience. We've been probably together as a core group for three years. So, you know, our, I, I, I really believe our time is going to come. But I think... I think we have to we have to realise what's in front of us, um, being a team who are more experienced than us, but also work as hard as we can to get to that level. And I think we we've done a lot of that. And to be fair to management, like they've done, like they can, they they've done, they've gone over and above really for for us as players, and they've given up given us everything that they can possibly give us to make us better. Um, and look, they're continuing to do that this year. I mean, they they literally, uh, like they literally just there's no stops fired. Like they're just everything is at our disposal. Um, and I do believe, like and like obviously, hopefully that um, we can get back into training collectively soon. That that everyone will be hopping again to go for this year. And and like I suppose as the years go on, you get that little bit more hungrier. Um, and look, we were we were champing at the bit last year, and I really thought we could have done it last year. And in the end, look, we didn't. But you have to look at the positives out of that, and and we're there or thereabouts, you know. And we just have to, I suppose, look really deep into ourselves as players, and and work on our our weaknesses, and and like build on our strengths then on top of that. And and once we bring that all together and kind of knit together, hopefully that this year will be a bit better for us. I find it interesting, actually, that you said you haven't watched back the game yet. Is that something you hope to do over the next couple of weeks and months, or is it something that you just you kind of park to one side and leave to later in the year? I will. No, I'll watch it now um, before we get back to collective training. Um, to be fair, management has dissected it, I'd say, a hundred times. Um, I personally just, like, it's oh, you'd watch a win, like, you'd watch that every day, but I just find it hard to watch it back. Um, and I suppose it's just been nearly two months now, so I I'm kind of just getting around to the to the fact that we lost, and and now we can move on to to this year. So I will I'll look at it back and I'll review and and see the good good and bad. And I think it's very important that you do like watch it back or watch any losses because we're going to learn from that. And there's certainly things that um in that match that we can learn from, but also that we can take as as positive because we played we played quite well for a lot of that game. Um, but look again, you have Dublin who are a very experienced team who, who came out on top in the end. So um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll have to torture myself some other day with that. I'm always interested in the psychology of it as well. Like As a player yourself, Martina, would you use the hurt and disappointment from a game like that to drive you forward the kind of following season? 
or do you try and park that kind of hurt and disappointment and start fresh when it's a new season? Um, I suppose it's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, I would, obviously, immediately afterwards, it's gone, like, as in, I don't want to think about it. Um, and for most of the season, it will be parked. You know, we won't talk about it. We won't be like, oh, we lost the All-Ireland final there last year. Um, because you're always focused on what's ahead of you, really, you know. Um, you kind of, if, if you're always thinking about, oh, we lost that last year, and we lost it, it's probably bringing that negative side into your training and your game or whatever. So for me, I would park it to a certain extent, um, but I do use it then. I think we, we do use it, and, and players definitely on the team would use it. As we get closer to maybe our goals, like say that could be just winning so many matches in the league or getting to a month's final or whatever. Um, but we're always kind of looking forward rather than looking back. Um, now, you, you'll always remember it at the end of the year, like even, I suppose, for the All-Ireland final this year, we we could call upon like losing the semi-final last year or the year before that to Dublin. And we were very hurt after those games. So you do, you do bring those kind of emotions up and it does kind of help you with, uh, on the day and probably leading up to it with your kind of nervousness, I feel. Um, but it's not something that we dwell on really. Um, we kind of do analyze it and kind of move forward and it's there then when we need it. If, if that extra little bit of motivation. You mentioned West Cork Senior Ladies Football Manager Brian McCarthy earlier, and obviously you were a key part of the West Cork team that won the County Senior Football Championship uh, last year. What a lovely parting gift for the West Cork Ladies to give you the kind of Cork captaincy for the year ahead. You must have great memories of your time with the West Cork team. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it, it's a, like it's effectively it's a divisional side, obviously, but and I have my own club, and like Lana Kilty is my club, and she's like love playing with them, but it actually felt equally like the club team um, we would and it's, I suppose it, that in turn helps with a lot of the girls playing with Cork we'd see each other literally nearly every day when you were when you were training with Cork or, or playing or training with West Cork um, so it, 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 it really it was a great time and you were playing football at the highest club like you were playing the best games you were playing the best teams and that's what you want to be doing when you're when you're playing football you want to be competitive I suppose um, and I was getting the ability to do that at with Clonic Hilty because we were at an intermediate level which was quite good but also at the senior level and like I will have fond memories of I suppose especially the year gone because of obviously how, how we left it and we won finally and I'm just I suppose it'll be sad to, to leave because like we we've had such good times and, and like great crack to be fair and Brian and Anne and, and James and Michelle, they've been just super. Like, the setup was professional, like, you know. Um, but you you could always go to training and there'd be a lot of um, hopping ball off each other. Serious stuff would be done, but you'd always have that kind of bit of banter around it as well. So um, it'll be greatly missed. Um, hopefully I can um, keep keep my uh, keep my, my ears open inside there anyway, somewhere, or kind of contribute something else. But, yeah. Uh, it, I'll miss it, and I will have a lot. Like I've a lot of friends made from from playing with with them, and it was much more than a development or um, uh, like um, divisional side. It was definitely more of a club team, you know, that feel around it. And I suppose you only get that from the people in it, um, and the girls that committed to it, and the management that committed to it. And Brian and Anne really, really push 
like your hearts and souls into it for the last five and six years. So uh, not even like grateful for the like for myself and the players. I was just so delighted to see us lift a cup for them really um, in the end. And the hope is to Martina that the West Cork ladies will be able to compete in this year's county senior football championship. I think we have to wait and see what happens over the next couple of weeks and months. But you know firsthand yourself just how important that team has been to the West Cork ladies football because we've had players for, from junior clubs getting the, the chance to play senior football and win a, win a senior county championship. So like over the last five or six years, this divisional team has done great, great things for, for ladies football in West Cork. Definitely, and I suppose it's it's a pity that it has to go to Congress now and, and have to be voted on and stuff. And because I suppose other counties may not have a, the same structure for a divisional side or whatever, <clears throat> and it it will be quite hard to get your point across and how important a team or a divisional side is in the development of younger players or or players in a certain area and. You look. You'll have counties who who won't want to be seeing Cork developing any better than than they already are. So it will be it'll be it'll be tough. I think um, a tough decision and and whatever comes out of it. But I think it's hugely important to have in Cork County, um, because there is de- development squads in West Cork, so they have development teams under thirteen up or or whatever it is. So, like, that's already developing players for the future of a county team. But it's also developing young girls and and giving them that outlet to play football at maybe not even a slightly higher level, just with other people. And, like, what's that giving them? It's giving them more of an outlet to meet people, to make friends, and to exercise. You know, so it's not only maybe the benefits that, that, like, West Cork or Divisional side or Cork County will get, it's the benefits that these girls get at a young age. And I suppose we get too caught up in, in the winning and losing and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's more important for the people and the young girls coming up in West Cork to see, oh, like I could actually play. Like I'm from a junior club. I might never get to play senior football. I'd love to. And they can aspire to do that when the West Cork ladies is there. Um, so I'd be very, very hopeful that it will stay for for general, um, for for the area, but also Cork County, I think. I mean, having another team that's competing really well at, at that, it, it just makes everything, um, it drives the standard up really, I suppose, doesn't it? Um, and you need that standard continually being driven. And Mornady have done that for years, but they can't be doing it on their own either, you know. So we need that standard driven. And I think West Cork, I think they do that. They do that massively, and and um, it's been there's been some great battles over the last couple of years between Mornavi and West Cork. So I think having having a couple of teams there at the top will drive standards for then obviously for county teams and whatnot. But look, we want spectacles. We want to be watching good games, and um, and I think West Cork really bring that. You've so much to look forward to in 2021, and you kind of mentioned there the Clonakilty ladies up to the senior football ranks. You must be really looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. I suppose uh, we just hope we don't meet West Cork up there in the championship. Um, no, it's very exciting. And I think um, we were senior back in oh, it's a couple of years ago now, maybe five years. So it'll, a lot of the girls that are there now wouldn't have actually experienced senior football. There's probably actually only four or five of us who are still left that would have been there previously. So it's exciting for the club, but it's also exciting for those girls who were 
we're all going to challenge ourselves now, I suppose. I mean, it's a big challenge to go from intermediate to senior. And there, there is, I suppose, a tiered system in senior as well where you kind of have to, you have to ease yourself in for a year, that's for sure, because um, the difference in physicality and fitness, I suppose, is a step up. Um, we have a lot of young girls as well who would be maybe 15, 16, 17, and, and like that might just be another step up for them. Um, but it's exciting as well, like, you know, we get to play teams like the best of the best, you know, so we get to challenge ourselves another bit and um, hopefully, hopefully, you know, that will will kind of settle into it fairly quickly, which I've no doubt we will because we uh, same management are there anyway and, and all the girls who were there last year are going to be back. So um, we just we just need to find our feet, I suppose, at the start and, and uh, get a bit of luck maybe. <laughs> that, that, that would be helpful. Um, but no, it's an exciting time and I think the club has been building to this for a couple of years. You know, their underage has been doing so well and um, I think... The future of Clonakilty Day football is very, very bright, and I'll be hopeful, like in maybe five plus years, that they will be competing um, for the top prize in senior. And, and I, I really do believe that they can do that with with the the girls that are are there currently, but also the underage that's coming up. So, um, yeah, exciting times I think ahead for for Clonakilty football. Like I said, Martina, so much to look forward to for club and county in twenty twenty one. Continued success and best of luck this season. Thanks, Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Okay, Kieran, our next guest on this week's show is Bantry Blues and Cork stalwart Rory Dean, who you were speaking to at the launch of Cork GAA's new partnership with Sports Direct. And the jersey's been getting a lot of traction on social media. I see you were actually given one yourself. I'm still waiting on my delivery of a new Cork jersey. So if there's any representatives from Sports Direct listening to this episode, I'll gladly wear a Cork jersey on the broadcast. But Kieran, you don't seem as keen to do so. You won't you aren't wearing your new Cork jersey on the broadcast today. Well I did throw it out on social media on Monday that I was open to offers to to, to wear the Cork jersey but there was nothing forthcoming which is quite disappointing because I could have worn the jersey for, for this week's podcast but you never know some some big local business might come in now with a, with a donation to charity for, for next week's podcast and have me sitting in the, the Cork jersey for the entire podcast so feel free to do so if you want to email support at southernstar.ie if you want to see me in a, in a Cork GA jersey next week um, and just for a couple of people on Twitter who were um, almost insulted that a Kerry men was sent the Cork GA jersey just to put their minds at ease I was sent the Cork jersey as sports editor of a West Cork newspaper not as, as a Kerry men so um, to be honest I actually like the jersey it, it, it's, a, it's a nice colour raid looks good um, I see there is some kickback the fact that Sports Direct are the, the sponsors the new sponsors of Cork GA but my attitude is quite simple if you don't want to buy the jersey don't buy the jersey if you want to buy the jersey go and buy the jersey um, so nice looking jersey and I was chatting to Rui Dean just at the launch and before we talked about Cork football going into 2021 and and the uh, defeat to Tipperary last year's Munster final I got his thoughts on jerseys in general what was his favourite jersey any jerseys he's held on to and also quick chat about football boots so um, nice interesting stuff from the Bentrymen here Just before we go to Rory then you mentioned you spoke to him about his favourite jersey do you have any jerseys that you hold dear to yourself did you keep any from when you're 
a young lad an old United jersey or a, an old club jersey are there any heirlooms is heirlooms the correct word we'll go with heirlooms that you've kept from throughout your sporting career probably the favourite United jersey would be the 1999 one um, I had Beckham 7 on the back of it and I should, I'm just bringing it on the podcast because like there's so many holes in it at this stage like kind of the numbers have fallen off it was a sharp jersey there was the the iconic red one the season they won, they won the treble and that's always been my favourite over the years and I just had so many jerseys like the United had a lovely reversible one then after that it was gold on one side and white on the other side and that was a class jersey but I lent it to a friend and that was it never saw it again and I'm still on the lookout for that and a couple of seven aside jerseys from my my days in Killarney as well from Mackey's crew which was um, MD O'Shea O'Shea and Sons they're um, with a seven aside team years ago lovely jersey number seven I wore again um, ne- never gave the jersey back and they were looking for it the year after and I just played dumb didn't know where, the, where that jersey was so it's still something I have so they'd be my kind of top jerseys at the moment and yeah. I still try and wear them but it's, it's trying to squeeze into them is the is the best way to put it and the 99 jersey still fits it, it does kind of back then he used to buy my jerseys too big which is probably a, a good thing so I can still squeeze into them now that but, was um, kind of the style at the time though wasn't it the kind of baggier jersey as opposed to the the tight fits that you see nowadays which don't really do much for me I have to say I'll be honest as well I years ago around the same time I bought an Italian jersey and it was one of those figure hugging tight Italian jerseys the uh, at the one. time yeah, and I definitely didn't have the physique to pull it off, so that looked baggy on me as well, which isn't a good look as, as it was. But even going back to that, that Beckham time, I, de- I even tried the Beckham haircut at the time, the part. Yeah. And looking back now, absolutely cat. I don't know what I was thinking. It was absolutely terrible haircut, kind of. Um, I wish someone pulled me aside and said, Will you ever cop onto yourself and just have a normal haircut? Because I didn't have the hair to pull it off, and there was too much gel, and it was just a disaster from start to finish. So that's my my haircut disaster story. What a mini. Okay, well, listeners, I promise in the next few weeks I will source a photo of Kieran with the David Beckham side part haircut and share it across the Southern Stars social media. So watch this space. But for now, let's hear from Bantry Blues and Corks, Rory Dean. We're joined on the Star Sport podcast this week by Bantry and Cork footballer Rory Dean. We're going to chat GA jerseys, football and the season ahead, Rory. First off, we're talking because it was uh, last week we saw the announcement and unveiling of the new Cork GA jersey and, of course, the sponsorship with Sports Direct. When you saw the jersey for the first time, what, was, what, what were your first thoughts? Yeah, I suppose, look, the jersey's lovely. Um, we're delighted to get the sponsorship of Sports Direct as well, and it's something that'll hopefully um, bring positivity around the branding of Cork GA and set structures in place across all levels um, so that we can keep developing what we're putting in place at the moment. When, when people think of Cork jerseys, there's been so many iconic Cork jerseys over the years. Go back to the, the jersey when Cork won the double all those years ago. What's the one that stands out for you? Had you any favourite Cork jersey growing up? Um, I suppose for us, like growing up, it was always kind of the O2 jerseys and the most memories I'd have of games is is with the O2 jersey as well. Um, just from, from when I was a kid going to the matches and as well, the Barry's tee, I just remember they were, they were at home. Like I remember seeing the Barry's tee jersey in, say, the parents' bedroom or whatever. It would be ready to go for the games. Father would have worn it to matches as well. So um, sponsorship and branding, I think, is is important in the sense of like there is a connection there with the team and I suppose with the jersey and it, it's part and parcel of it Would you be the sort of, of, of fan and, and player who'd actually hold on to jerseys like if you have a collection of Cork and Bantry jerseys over the years some are, some are in, your, in your cupboard at home 
Yeah, so I suppose, like, look, you, you get asked for jerseys here and there and you, you do give them away, but I suppose I'd always try and keep some that would, would have a, a level of significance to me personally. So I just remember our under-21 um, victory over Kerry in the Munster final. I kept hold of that one um, when we won the, the Munster in All-Ireland um, with the Clark Juniors. I, I kept on to those two jerseys and significant little milestones along the way. My first jersey that I'd have worn as a Cork senior, I still have that one. Um, so there is sentiment in what you wear, but I just know, like, say, from when I was a kid, like, I was lucky enough to know, well, my father more so, was lucky enough to know Graham Canty, and he gave me one or two jerseys along the way when I when I was growing up, and look, it meant an awful lot to me in my development and my progress as a player. So you try and do the same. Like, at the end of the day, you've ones that mean stuff, but but it means an awful lot more to other people too, so it is nice to give back to. You're putting together a pretty priceless collection of GA jerseys there, kind of Cork jerseys over the years. So if I had to ask you to pick your favourite Cork jersey ever, kind of whether it's one that was passed down to you or one you've worn or one that has kind of extra significance because it was a milestone game, which one would you go for? Well, I suppose um, my father would have been very friendly with Graham Canty and he gave him a, 2000, a 2009 All-Ireland final-worn jersey. Now, I know they lost on the day, like, but just uh, the significance of it um, is, is huge. Like To see a jersey that's worn, not one that I have worn personally, but like to, to see it passed on, and it, it is a nice touch, do you know what I mean, to, to show what jerseys and, and handing them over mean to people, and that's something that there's only one of those jerseys or two you get two I think on the day and to know that one of them is in your household is is a prized possession you know obviously jerseys are very important and the sponsorship deal with Sports Direct is very important and I was interested to see too that as part of this deal with Sports Direct that there's that the players from the senior football and hurling squads there's access to personalised boots I think personalised access to boots um, under this deal kind of take, take me take me to football boots so let's chat football boots for a second what are your go to go to boots over the years I always wear Adidas boots, um, generally Predators and the similar kind of make that they have at the moment. They've had three or four years of a similar kind of branding and it's just something that's comfortable on my foot. And I feel like, you know, if you're if you're used to something, don't don't change it. It's similar enough to, say, your routine on a daily basis. The boots I'd be similar with. Um, and it's a great deal to have, have struck with the county board because, like, you go through boots like another person goes through socks as a footballer and, like, you could be training four nights a week on a pitch and going out for a kick around yourself, two or three, and you're not long going through it. So we do appreciate what sports director doing with the boot deal. Is it hard to say goodbye to a good pair of boots then when they eventually meet meet the end? Uh, it's it, it can be at times like in the family, to be honest. Like I don't know what it is. Like there's a certain element of psychology with certain things like this. And you know, if you have a pair of boots that you've had a good game and it's it's like the jersey that has a bit of significance to you. It's nearly. It's nearly a tough goodbye, like you know. So um, I would say, yeah, I've had instances where I've ripped the boot and and I've nearly started crying over it. But look, as I've tried to learn, as I've got a bit older, the boots aren't what's making the difference. It's it's what's in the boot. But it does sometimes get into your head, and it's a little bit funny that way. Looking ahead to twenty twenty one, so new boots by Rory Dean, new Cork jersey by by Rory Dean, and and the Cork footballers. What are your hopes for for the season ahead? Obviously, we don't know when the season's even going to kick off at this stage. But looking kind of kind of big picture, long term, is it the hope to build on the performance against Kerry and rebound from the loss to Tipperary? Or how are you looking at twenty twenty one? Yeah, like one hundred percent, you're spot on. Like 
we you've mentioned the Kerry game as a positive and you've mentioned the the Tipperary game as our improvement. So look, we've looked and we've analysed as a team on, on both games and there were positives to take from both games, but there were also improvement areas to take from both games. And that's the big thing what we as a group are trying to achieve as you're kind of alluding on is more consistency. And that's what we'd like to see in 2021. Like we want to see progression every year. We want to see development. We want to see new people wearing that cork jersey and, and pushing the likes of myself to, to struggle to make a position on the team because like, there's a turnover in, in Gaelic football every year. And look, I've been there with a number of years now at this stage and there's groups of younger players like those minor and under-20 All-Ireland winning teams which are coming along nicely now and they'll slot right into place um, and get their chances too along the way. So I'd like to see developments in last year, as you've mentioned, but I'd also like to see a couple of um, new younger players coming through to, to stake a claim for themselves as well, because like, that's what it's all about. It's development progress and kind of betting in to, to make uh, a position on the team for yourself. How tough was that post-mortem after the last Tipperary in the Munster final? Because you're coming off the back of an incredible high, beating Kerry, last-minute goal, kind of the euphoria, the county was in a high. Then a couple of weeks later, it was the disappointment of, of a poor performance on the day. So when you look back on that, where we trying to analyse what went wrong, first, like I was saying there, how tough was it? And and second, what did you pinpoint in to kind of say, OK, could have done that better, could have done that, could have done that? Yeah, look, I suppose it's the beauty of it all, isn't it? Like you have the elation of the first game and the, the quick descent down the other side of the second game. So look, we weren't long learning our lessons. And thankfully, look, we, we had an analysis session on the game and we looked for positives, yes. And we looked for areas of improvement. But look, you're not going to take anything away from the win of Tipperary. Um, like they fought very hard. They outplayed us in certain elements of their game and got us running in the back foot. So like, look, uh, credit to Tipperary where it's due. But obviously, personally, I had to look at myself and let's say there were the elements of my performance I wasn't happy with as the vast majority of the panel. And I'd imagine the background staff did as well. And look, we're hoping to look look at those lessons and try bring that consistency into our future performances was a challenging desperate like it's it's not easy to go back and look at something like that when you know you're better than that and I'm not saying that being better on the day would have won us the game but it is disappointing to look at those um clips of yourself and have to have to ask yourself some hard questions but again it's not personal like I always say this is improvement like sport is a recreation and a joy for me so if I wake up in the morning and I'm satisfied with my performance, I'll try and improve it for the next day because like, that's what it's about. It's the same thing in life. If you have a bad day, you get up the next day and make the next one a better one. And I think that's what we're going to bring forward into 2021. You've mentioned the word consistency there a couple of times, Rory. And to be very fair to this group of Cork footballers, over the past 18 months, your results were, were quite consistent. Your performances were quite consistent. It was an off day against, against Tipperary. So looking ahead to 2021, what can, what's the positives that you can see that this Cork team can build on? Personally, I think like the consistency is one element, but like as you mentioned, kind of the downfall in, in the Tipperary game, it's avoiding those situations and maybe being able to recognise if there are certain situations that you need to be avoiding. If you're aware of them in advance to try and bring up your own performance to bring along the fella next to you. Um, and I feel that it's something we will develop in, in 2021 um, going forward. So hopefully that'll be a positive step for this group. Is it important too that Ronan McCarthy stood on as manager for a two-year term and Keane O'Neill is there too? So you have that consistency from the last couple of years and you know for the next two seasons they're going to be there as well? Yeah, so look, it's hugely positive. Like As long as I've been involved with um, a Cork team since 2014, the manager and the coach have not been the same um, until this year. 
So it's a bit of continuity for us to continue going forward. You know, like we have Kean, an excellent coach, Ronan, a very good manager, and we have new additions to the background team like John Hayes, Bobby Dwyer, um, Kieran Shannon as well. So look, these developments will keep pushing us forward and we'll, we'll take it as it comes. I won't get into the specifics of a background. That's their job to manage. But as players, we're really looking forward to to bringing forward the positive elements of our game from 2020 and improving on those areas that we can in 2021. And you mentioned Tourie, some of the, I suppose, the young fresh blood that's coming into the Cork panel over the last couple of years. We saw it last year with the, the likes of Sean Mead and Mara Shandy and a couple of more, Paul Ring. I think there was five or six young fellas off that under-20 team who've been involved. Like that's, that's great to see. And you want to see more of those young fellas come through because the more games they play, the more experience they get, the more settled they'll get at senior to county level. And that can only be good for Cork football. Yeah, and again, like I just remember when I came back into the Cork panel, you kind of, you think, you know, this is all going to be playing sailing and you'll come in and you'll you'll stake your claim straight away and you'll get in. And sometimes it doesn't work like that. And like for those young lads, it's incredible to see what they're able to come in and do straight away. It's not something I was able to do and it's not that I'm ashamed to say I wasn't able to do it, but certain people take longer to develop than others. So yeah, it's encouraging to see the, those younger guys come in and as you mentioned, Sean Meehan have a fantastic season last year and continue it into this year. Um, the likes of Paul Ring, Colm O'Callaghan, Ty Corkery, all these lads to keep progressing and keep Cork football in a place that it can, uh, can remain successful. And as one of the senior members of, of the panel, or one of the elder statesmen of, of the Cork football panel, Rory, your role must have changed over the last couple of years because now you're seen as a leader in the dressing room. You're with, with this young wave of footballers coming in. Like, is that an extra responsibility for you? And how do you help these fellas find their feet and push on? Look, in general, there are terms that are thrown around and you'd like to think you lead by your actions and what you do on and off the pitch and how you kind of carry yourself. Yeah, but these young lads are, are well aware of what to do. Like They've been probably more successful than I have. And they've achieved great things. Look, they can draw on a little bit of experience maybe that I have taught for them if they ask. And I'd be more than willing to obviously impart some knowledge on them if I think I can help them in some way. But like, there's lots of things in their games that I can learn from them as well. Like, I'm not this complete well-rounded athlete that just looks at himself and says, right, I'm grand. Like, you're always able to learn and pick up something new. And each and every player has, has individual characteristics that they bring strengths to the team. So I suppose it's more of a an open process that I know, look, if someone wants to know something, yeah, I might have experience of playing at the level a bit more than them, but don't be afraid to go out and ask them questions as well and, and figure some stuff out from them too. And can you let us into one aspect of your game that you might look to improve this year? Um, I suppose, look, scoring for me hasn't been one of my strong points over the last couple of seasons, so I'm, I'm going to try and improve that a little bit, maybe getting into more scoring positions or being more of a threat attacking-wise. So um, I think it's an area I'd look at always anyway as, as an indicator of performance as a half-forward. Sometimes maybe you get caught in the modern game tracking back a little bit more than you'd like and find it difficult to get back up into scoring positions. But yeah, like I have no hesitation in saying that it's something that I'd like to improve in 2021. And when you're looking at the football as, as a whole, obviously Dublin are the dominant force right now. Do you think they're coming back closer to the chasing pack? Do, do you think that, that the competition is getting tighter? Like Cork beating Kerry last year what was a shock, shock result. And it shows that on a given day, any team is likely to beat another, another team, maybe apart from Dublin right now. So do you think that the, the gap between the chasing pack and the dubs is, is maybe closing a small bit? You'd hope so anyway. Look, I suppose everyone is putting in the best effort they can in their individual counties. And, and like that's the gold standard, what you want to achieve. Like There's no hiding Dublin or six in a row, All-Ireland champions going for seven. And every every county wants to be the one to, to be up on that top pedestal. And I'll make no hesitation about saying the Cork are exactly the same. That's where we want to be. 
So I do think the gap is closing. I think counties are working extremely hard and making positive developments towards it. Um, so look, hopefully things that are, are going on in Cork behind the scenes at behind the scenes at administrative level will help us close that gap and get closer to, to the glory that we want as a group. Away from football for a second. How is life right now, Rory? We're we're stuck in the middle of lockdown three. We don't know when it's going to finish. And obviously you're you're a teacher as well, so you're you're busy during the day and you're you've you've a lot of things going on. So how, how are you finding this lockdown? Look, there's no denying lockdowns are challenging. Um, I found what was different with this one than March and, and September, the dark evenings are, are extremely difficult and dark mornings as well. Now we're kind of gone out of that, but like it is a challenging time. I find, you know, you're waking up out of bed, you're going down to the sitting room or the kitchen where you have the office set up and you're you're running your work from home. Um, it's, it's, it's like a comment one of the students in school said to me, they said, it's like you're in school 24-7 now and you can't separate your personal and, and your school life. And it's the same for everybody. I think it's, it's extremely challenging times. Um, but look, every effort we're making by, by these sacrifices of whatever they are working from home or, you know, no collective training, um, meeting up and socializing with other households, like they're all making a bit of a difference and hopefully we'll be out the other side and go back go back to that November evening and those days of the, the GA matches on TV or the club championship games in September and October. Look, hopefully we'll be back there again soon and, and can be enjoying ourselves like it was last summer. It is the light at the, end of, at the end of the tunnel, the thought of, I suppose, everyone getting back out or getting back back active, forget the games for a second, but even getting back training, it's that social interaction we've all kind of lost out over the last, this lockdown and, and previous lockdown. So even for you to get back out training with Bentry in the next couple of months, to get back training with Cork, it must be something you're looking forward to. Yeah, look, there's only there's only so much individual training you can look forward to right now. I am lucky enough that I'm surrounded by an area where I can go and do a little bit of training if it's something I need to do on a given day. Um but collectively coming together as a group, that social interaction, like I don't think anyone ever mentions um, the actual hard training nights as a, a memory from their playing careers, but it's the social interaction and the fun you have in the changing room, which was taken away from us last year and most of this year. But we're definitely looking forward to going back to a little bit of normality in those circumstances. Hopefully you'll be back on the pitch before long, looking good in a new Cork jersey and, and, and your new football boots courtesy of Sports Direct come here Rory thanks very much for joining us and best of luck for the year ahead no problem thanks Gerard thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast number one for sport in West Cork okay Kieran. as always at this time of the week we're going to quickly preview this week's Southern Star Sports section but just one thing I want to mention before we do this week's Southern Star is a special share the love edition in honour of Valentine's Day so we'll be sharing stories about people and places that we love in West Cork and beyond. And Kieran, I suppose just to bring that into a sporting context, I want to ask you, what have you loved most about sport in the era of COVID? Because obviously there's plenty to hate. There's no fans. There's too many games on too many nights. But has there been any element of sport during the pandemic era that you've actually genuinely loved and felt affection for and wondered could this part of it stick around i oh it's a good question um if you go back to the first lockdown there was no sport and we really did miss it we really missed the sport and the kind of subsequent lockdown since lockdown two and lockdown three we've had some sport albeit at a at a very professional level um but i think it just kind of hit home just how much we all love sport kind of 
whether it's on a Saturday evening, just sitting at home watching something on TV, because in that first lockdown, there was absolutely nothing whatsoever. The Premier League across the water wasn't on. There was no GA on here at home. There was no sport of note to watch and really did miss it. So it really kind of hit home just how much probably love sport and, and care for it and how much of an outlet and, I suppose, escape, escapism from reality that, that sport is. So um, it just kind of, I suppose, highlighted to me how, I suppose, how much I, I love sport and how important it is in my life because when I wasn't there, I really missed it. So I probably appreciate it a small bit more now um, that we have some degree of sport and hopefully in the in the months to come, a lot more sport will, will, will come back in line and we'll all be in, in a better place for it. Yeah, and just to give one more thing I mentioned that I loved about sport during the pandemic era and that was the improvements to the lot of the club players. So the county lads back in playing with their clubs a structured championship and league campaign. It just flowed and worked so much better. So if we could uh, continue on that trend as the country opens up in 2021, we'll take that. But Kieran, I mentioned earlier that your column this week is looking at the fortunes of the Cork Ladies footballers. What else can we expect from this week's sports section? In this week's column, Jack, I caught up with Michelle Ryan. She's the former Waterford senior footballer. 19 years service she gave to the to the Waterford football team and her father's another Michael Ryan, legendary in hurling circles. And I just wanted to get her thoughts on, I suppose, on Cork bridging the gap to, to the Dublin ladies footballers who've won the last four All-Irelands in a row. And um, what came out of it is the need for speed. And it's quite an interesting column this week and that... Um, Michelle feels that the Cork and the other chasing pack they need to play at a far faster pace if they want to beat this Dublin team. Dublin are that good and that that much more physical and athletic than anyone else. That if you want to beat them, you're going to ha- have to match power with power and play at speed and play at pace. So some interesting stuff there, and it actually tied into what Cora Staunton told us on our podcast to come back before the All Ireland final about about the best way to beat this Dublin team is not to take the ball into contact, is, is to have kind of runners off the shoulder and so on. So interesting stuff for Michelle Ryan. And it's it's quite a good column um, in this Thursday Southern Star. Keeping with Cork ladies, we have an interview with the Cork LGFA PRO, Peter Leary, who was named the LGFA PRO of the year. And he'll receive his award virtually this Friday night. So John McCarthy is caught up with the Castletown Bear native. Another PRO we've interviewed in this week's Southern Star is a new West Cork Ladies PRO, and that's Moraid Ma from Donnie's. So another really interesting piece. Moraid is is there now to, to well, spread the news about West Cork Ladies GA and no better woman for, for that job. I no doubt you do an absolutely brilliant, brilliant job there. We've interviewed with Martino O'Brien and Brewery Dean, who we've heard on on this week's podcast. Um, we've interviewed with Aidan Murphy, the, the road bowling champion from Brittany, who's living in Dunmanway, just in his, his, his love of the sport. Um, so there's loads going on in in this week's Southern Star. And I also caught up with Dennis McCarthy. He's a coach from Skibbering Rugby Club, just to chat about Gavin Coombs, called up to the Ireland senior training uh, last year, just to see the knock-on effect that's going to have at Skib, because all of a sudden, for young boys and girls in Skib, when they're back playing minis and underage rugby, they now have a fella who's trained with with Johnny Sexton, you know, kind of they have a, a, a local lad who's been called up to the Ireland senior rugby team. And that, that shows that the pathway exists from Skibbereen to Munster and to Ireland. So really, really important. So I caught up with Dennis McCarthy to have a chat about that. Brilliant stuff. Sounds like a smashing edition. And it will be in shops across West Cork and beyond from Thursday morning. And of course, if you can't get to the shops, you can always 
purchase a copy of our digital edition online just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e paper and you can read the southern star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week but anyway thanks for listening to this week's star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcasts slan tommel